Welcome back to Totally Cali Cubs Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest today is, once again, our returning champion, Jeff Everson, who we had on in June when things were going well for the Cubs. Well, as you know, things have not been going well recently. The core of the team has been traded away, and the rest of the year is pretty much a tank job. So, I thought I'd bring Jeff back on to discuss the wreckage of this blown-up Cubs team and where we go from here. It's a pretty good conversation, and yeah, it's not a happy subject, but we try to find uh, some hope for the future, and yeah, we break it all down. And as always, you can uh, rate and review my podcast on the Apple Podcast app, and I'd really love it if you gave a review or a rating. I mean, just let me know you're listening, and yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to hear from you. And any feedback you have on the podcast. Anyway, enough stalling. Let's get to the bummer of a Cubs trade deadline with uh, Jeff. Okay, Jeff, welcome back to Holy Cow, and Boy, uh, things have changed since the last time you were on. Um, the last yeah, I think the I think the last time we were talking about the Cubs being fun, and uh, I don't, I wouldn't use that phrase to describe last week, but here we are. Yes, they are no longer fun, but I mean, let's get to it. I this is my first podcast since the teardown of the Cubs is completed. It was my last podcast with uh, Evan, Evan Altman. You yep. talked about that this was going to happen, but now it has happened. And it was a complete, I mean, the whole core, Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant all moved on. So, I mean, I know it's not surprising, but it's still not very fun. Yeah, you know, I, I was surprised that it was everybody. Yeah, I think I thought the smoke around Chris Bryant was real. Um, but the Javi Met stuff started heating up. I did not think Rizzo was going to go. Um, it seems like maybe it's just their messaging, or maybe it's the truth that they're sort of blown away by the offer for Rizzo. They really liked um, Alcantara coming back, but mm-hmm. I, I thought that even in a situation where they were going to wave the white flag and be non-competitive, they would have kept somebody um, that was part of the core, but they. Once they committed, they went all the way. Um, it really is a bummer from a fan side. I understand their reasoning. I wish it wasn't the route they took, but it's it's what's done is done. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some solace that the return they got is being widely praised. It's a small consolation prize, but yeah, from a fan perspective, it's terrible. You know, you, we've invested so much in these guys for in Rizzo's case, nearly 10 years, we've watched them mm-hmm. win the World Series. We've watched them every day during the season for so long, and now they're just playing for other franchises and being pretty successful there. And that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it, it's really – it's rough from the fan side, even if the um, baseball justification is not necessarily invalid. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I guess I'll, I don't know if anyone listening to this, I mean, I assume they all know this already, but of course, Rizzo went to the Yankees, Bryant went to the Giants, and Baez went to the Mets, and yeah, I, I think of the trades, the best return everyone is saying was probably the Rizzo trade, maybe the Kimbrell, the White Sox, but I think the, the Yankees win got the best. That's being the most praised anyway. Right. No, you know, that's, it's one of those things where you see the, the scouting reports on Alcantara, who I believe is already the number two prospect according mm-hmm. to fan graphs in the cup system. And um, like, it's, it's fun to see them have a good farm system again, but just the circumstances that led there aren't great. It like the, the, the excitement of having a good farm system in 2013 is a lot different than the excitement of having a good yes. farm system now. Um, I mean, that, that was the first rebuild. I think there was legitimate optimism that they had to start from, start from the bottom and build it up and really could invest in, and get excited in, in who's coming up. But then we, we did that. It paid off. And now we have to reinvest in a whole new set at a time where I think everybody wants the team to be competitive. And it's, yeah. it's not like, you know, Rizzo is 40 years old and, and falling apart. You know, we've, <laughs> we've shared all these memories and he's still a good ball player. And uh, I think that's what makes it difficult. I, I will say just, they did the, the, the universal praise for how they did on these, on these trades can't be overlooked. It's not like Jed Hoyer just gave away everybody for, for nothing, but it's just the hurt's going to be there for a little bit. Yeah, and of course, I mean, when they did the first rebuild, the team that they blew up was like, there was nothing. It was just stagnant. It wasn't a playoff team. It was, I mean, Alfonso Soriano, who else was someone that... Samarja, Dempster. I mean, it was Dempster at the back end of his career. It wasn't but it was not like a team that they'd made that like won the division, but they weren't like a, the team now, this is way different. The fans level of attachment is just a completely different world. Absolutely. And I, I think a, a big part of the frustration is relative to the, the last time they took these, these measures um, when they, there's a story that when Theo Epstein took over, they didn't even have like, an electronic system for tracking mm-hmm. prospects. Like they're, they're, the Henry era was using file cabinets and they basically took over a baseball team from the 1980s and had to modernize mm-hmm. it. And um, Wrigley was still in its old form and, and ownership was trying to find new revenue sources and all that. Like this, it was really a case where they had to build everything from scratch. Mm-hmm. Now you've had that be done they built stuff like the pitch lab and, and modernized the franchise along with all the development and all the all the ricketts world stuff around around wrigley and now mm-hmm. we're going through the same thing at the major league level in terms of getting rid of so much talent it's like well the excuse isn't there anymore you guys mm-hmm. have had 10 years to develop all this and now you're still taking the same the same yeah, actions and- it just it, it just it, it falls a little bit short to hear that. and also you know Theo sold us probably a bill of goods. I mean, it was almost, I want to say, it's one of those boats that's like impossible, but that we will never have, there'll never be a rebuild again. That right. we're going to build a sustained machine that will constantly turn out talent. And boy, did that not happen. Yeah, and I, uh, I, mean, I don't want a hot take 
Theo Epstein, who who built as much as he did, but uh, I think he's kind of skating by not being around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I I don't know. I just think with some of the the public messaging stuff, if if he were around with us, even if he let Jed make all the decisions, but Theo was the public face and sort of wore this, I, I kind of feel like the blow would be a bit softened or at least mm-hmm. kind of directed to the guy who led us to, you know, both the world series, but also the inability to develop any pitching prospects mm-hmm. and a lot of poor choices and trades and free agency and, and all that, which, you know, it's nobody bats a thousand. Nobody's perfect. No. Um, I, I accept that. It's just, it's, he uh, conveniently moved on. Let's put it that way. For sure. And um, I mean, obviously he knew what was coming. I, I, did I agree that if you're going to start a rebuild, you don't do in your last year, you let your successor mm-hmm. take it. But Jed also has to take all the, all the darts from this one from the public. And uh, I don't think he uh, handled it as well as he could have in the, in that first uh, radio interview, but yes, whatever. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, seeing those guys on new teams and but you know, I guess at the way things were going, they weren't gonna probably resign anyway. So this was probably inevitable, but I think just it all happening at once too. Yeah. If this had been meted out like if they traded Bryant like a year ago and then traded Baez this offseason and then traded Rizzo at the deadline, it would still hurt, but it wouldn't have been like the all at once, like rip the bandaid off, like right. do it all in less than twenty four hours. The all the uh, faces of the franchise were gone. I've got an interesting question for you. For sure, which one of these guys? Because I have an answer, but I'm curious to see what yours is. Which of these guys do you think are in the best situation right now of the three that were moved on? <sighs> That's a good question. I think, I mean, I think Chris Bryant seems the happiest of the three. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of just best pure situation, I think Rizzo is going to be very successful in New York. So I would say Rizzo, just the short portion right there is going to be helpful. And I think he's just going to be a great cultural fit there if he wants to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's talk his body language looks miserable, but I mean, we don't really know what's going on there. I, I think I think Rizzo just has the most, fit for New York both as a player and just as a, a personality. I don't know. What, what do you think? I think that um Rizzo is a mortal lock to be a Yankee forever. Okay. That it's gonna be a perfect, absolutely perfect fit. The fans are gonna love him. That stadium's perfect for his hitting. He's you know in New York, an Italian, I mean right. It's gonna be I don't think he's ever gonna leave New York. I think they're gonna throw money at him. Yeah, I just Maybe I'm wrong. They'll actually pay the hundred million the Cubs refused to pay the yes. most popular player that they've probably ever had. Yes, because we know Rizzo and the fans are going to absolutely love him in New York. Absolutely, a big personality like that, and in Manhattan's going to or the yeah. Bronx, I guess, is where they play. It's going to that's going to play big. And we'll get the annoying like, who is this guy? We love this guy. Where he came from? Nowhere. And it's, yeah, I saw one of their fans in some Twitter replies compared him to Mark Teixeira and uh, him coming over later in his career and, and really um, – I don't think it's really appreciated how just popular Mark Teixeira was as a Yankee mm-hmm. um, along with being successful. It's like, yeah, this is unfortunately really true. Yes. 
Yeah, and but that's that's his. I just think that's going to end. The Red Sox not trading for him is really an all-time upset. I'm shocked by that. Yeah, and according to the passing article, they never really came close either. And that just seemed like such a perfect fit. With I mean, they they didn't do anything about first base unless they're going to try to play <laughs> Kyle Schwarber there. Well, I was under the um, impression that they were going to put trade for Bryant and put him at first base. Interesting. The Red Sox. But no, they didn't. They didn't really do. I mean, other than Schwarber, they didn't do anything. So and Schwarber cost them like nothing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's. I mean, Kyan Bloom, first real year of contention, maybe doesn't want to drain their farm, but that's yeah, it's, there were some very, pretty obvious fits on the Cubs that I'm sure they could could have traded with, huh? But. I guess so. A question I'll throw at you just with the. I'm keeping the hope alive. Somebody's going to come back Mm -hmm. of the three. And just a thought I had and and kind of wondering where you're at. Obviously, Chris Bryant made the comments about how happy he was to be a giant, but also Chris Mm -hmm. Bryant's an extremely polite individual. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He wasn't going to show up and talk about that he was sad to be a, a giant. Yes. Chris Bryant's the only one outside of one rumor that we haven't heard about an actual offer being exchanged mm-hmm. right like the we know what yeah. the numbers were on rizzo we know what bias yeah there's that what was it 180 what was the bias one like 180 i think bias was 180 is what, what he turned down and then he yeah. wanted 200 this year and and they wouldn't do that and the rizzo was the team offered him 70 million which was yeah. ins- insufficient he wanted uh the goldschmidt contract which was closer to 120 yes. But we never heard an actual number mm-hmm. from Brian. And I believe his public comments were like, we haven't, like basically like laughed it off that there was mm-hmm. a exchange of numbers. that. You know, does that in, inspire any hope for you that maybe it's more of a feasible negotiation or is it just like they, they don't care he's going to be in on the West Coast for the rest of his career? You know, I don't know. Like, Brian, like you said, it's just, he's like a lot like for football fans out there, Russell Wilson, where they're mm-hmm. just like, I like to almost say they're like a robot when they talk to the press. They're not going right. to say anything that ruffles any feathers. So I don't read anything into that. Oh, I dreamed of being a giant thing. I just, I think he would have said that if he was on the race. I just, sure, sure. It wouldn't have been believable, but, but yeah, um, but I don't know. I just, another thing you got to think about is, the fan out the fan backlash. Are they gonna be like getting nervous, like, oh, we gotta do something to placate these fans? Right. They might not show up. I mean, I think they absolutely have to be, right? And they and if if they don't, if they're either blind or ignorant of, of the um, you know, what's going on on Twitter and just kind of what people are mm-hmm. are saying about how angry they are, uh, they're gonna start seeing with the season take a hold of yes. balls. Nobody's gonna pay. I mean, they've more or less doubled season ticket prices in a, a number of sections since the world series, at, at least in the last rebuild tickets were still mm-hmm. cheap and they never raised them. Like they took full advantage of having a popular team, which you know, is there, yeah. is there right? I guess. Um, but they're going to start like, nobody's going to pay $80 a seat in the lower deck for a season to watch a 60 win team. That's no. not even close to competing. So I feel like they're going to have to go out and, and yes. spend money. And I mean, the other side of the coin with, how much the Ricketts have talked about how, how much money they lost. They, they claimed during COVID because mm-hmm. they 
make 80% of their revenue from, from the, the games and how invested they are. Yeah. And the other side of that coin is like, you need people to show up for these things. Yeah. And as much as Wrigley is a tourist attraction in the summer, you also have to sell tickets in April. You have to sell tickets after Labor Day when schools are back in session. Like they, they're very invested in, in having people show up. So I, I, just, I can't see it being a case where they don't spend some yes. money on somebody this offseason. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, and even before, like, they're not drawing right now. Like before they traded everyone. They were yeah, getting- I was there about a week before the deadline when they played Cincinnati and it was about 65% full, I'd mm-hmm. say, which for July is that's, that's light. Like those were yes. all sellouts. This is before um, kind of the Delta variant stuff popped up. Like the other factors that you could say are yes, would cause yeah. a drop in attendance. Like this was legitimately people, just a lack of interest. Yeah. And I mean, if you, if you remember back to the rebuild, the first one, they, they were not drawing like, like in 11 and 12. They were not, the fans weren't. Oh, yeah. Totally. It wasn't like, there's all these apocryphal, I don't know. You, you hear these stories on Twitter that people retweet that the Ricketts were saying that they're, when they bought the team that people show up no matter what. And it's a, I don't know if those stories are true, but if they were, I don't, I think they've got a bad read on the Cubs fans in Chicago, but. Absolutely. Well, not, and now they've put, I believe it's a billion dollars into developing around the ballpark and buying the rooftops and that like they like it's a bad business decision not to field a competitive team which mm-hmm. we're finally kind of crossing the stream between the Ricketts making money and the team being good mm-hmm. they're they're sort of separate things for a while but now it's it's I mean they've got what it's 60 or 70 million dollars committed for next year in payroll yeah I mean it's I think it's like 45 but with arbitration, it'll go up to like gotcha. 50 or 60. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not going, if they, if, I think they're at 160 or 170 to start this year. If they mm-hmm. went back to there, they could feel a pretty competitive team, yeah. especially in this. Like, I don't, the Brewers are playing great this year. I don't think the Brewers are as good as their records going to be this year, at least no. long term. I don't think Burns and Woodruff are going to put up Cy Young seasons in perpetuity. So if that's yeah. your competition, and you have some money to spend. I mean, you could, if 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 the bridge is not burned, you could talk to some of the guys you just traded, or yes. bring in a Corey Seager, bring in uh, Marcus Simeon's going to be a free agent, like guys like that who are. Yeah, there are options out there. Absolutely. Um, there's, I mean, there's some stuff that could happen the rest of the year, and I, I don't want to just segue off this, but. One thing I am kind of watching for is to see if they can find any young pitching um, at all. Any spot you can fill with young mm-hmm. cost controlled pitching that's actually good is, is just going to help out. Um, so what you're saying up. is you uh, don't want to see Jake Arrieta out there. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Uh, unless uh, it's just to protect somebody else from throwing too much like Adbear. I no. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not actually Jake Arrieta. It's an imposter. Yes that he left Chicago in 2017 and that was it. Yeah. That's this is, this is a, uh, this is a doppelganger who uh, is mm-hmm. doing a very poor impersonation of the Jake Arrieta we know. That's right. Right. Uh, now there's um, a thing I want to touch on that I've got to talk a little bit on Twitter and this is kind of hot takey, but um, I'm going to just poach the subject. All we've got left are takes. So yes. They couldn't trade our takes. That's right. Are we sure David Ross is a good manager? (laughs) 
Uh, no, I am not sure he's a good manager at this point. I don't know. Man. Like it, I, I, I have not been super impressed by some of his in-game decisions. Um, I think that you could make the argument. We don't know what actually goes on in the clubhouse, but it felt like there was some favoritism um, mm-hmm. with certain players. I, I don't know. I mean, I get a little hyperbolic and simplistic for hot takey stuff on Twitter, but I, I don't know if he is. I, I don't know. Where are you at on that? Yeah, I mean, he makes a, some decisions, like, during the game I don't like. Um, I don't know if he's, like, you know, the one thing you can always say about every manager, how they handle the bullpen, right. that's going to be a hit or miss thing. But, yeah, I just, some of his decisions don't, like, lineups. And, I mean, now is he just implementing what the front office is telling him to do? Or I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's a that's a big piece of it. Um, he's more of a – more kind of follows what is – I don't want to say orders, but what his recommendations are from the front office. Um, I, I, th- I think – I mean, he trained with the front office for two years before taking over. It's not like he mm-hmm. managed a minor league team or served as somebody's bench coach, which would be a little bit more separate. Uh, I think that's part of it. I think it's – I mean, I chucked up a lot last year in experience. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not being fair saying now he's experienced because he had a weird 60 game season as his first year. Yeah. Um, so maybe he's still kind of learning how to maximize his bullpen usage and use off days effectively. I think this is a weird road to go down. I don't fully have this thought out, but one thing I think about Joe Madden was that the players really did see him not as an extension of the front office, that he was his own man and he was going to do what he wanted. I think players gravitate to the idea that the manager manages the team and he's independent from the guys who can trade them and send them down. Yeah. And I think that they're, and again, I'm, this is complete armchair psychiatrist on what's going on with this team, but I could see a scenario where they just, if they view Ross as just, a front office guy who's there in the dugout executing mm-hmm. orders from the same bosses that are trading all their friends and teammates away. That could be a different mindset than when you've got, you know, Joe man already had a reputation built up when he took, mm-hmm. took over the job here and he was going to do what he wanted. And he had enough clout that it wasn't going to be stood in the way. And I think I don't know, if I was a player, I'd love that. Like I want the manager who yeah. cared about you. It stands up for you. Right. Like, I can see that. And I mean, I really don't want to say this because it bugs me to say it. But I mean, the evidence is just the evidence that very grudgingly saying this, Craig Council is a good manager. Yeah. He's such a whiner. I, 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 I know. hate watching the dugout, but he knows what he's. I mean, that entire organization just. To get to out of together. like to get what they get out of what they've got, yeah, is is amazing. But no, I don't like him personally. But you can't deny that that what are they predicted every year? They're predicted to win eighty games, and somehow they're always at like ninety, ninety three. I don't know how they do it. And, and how many? I mean, this is something I'd like to see the Cubs try in the next few months. If this is a lost season. 
how many risks do the brewers take just in terms of shifts and using pitchers and and that sort of stuff that pays off big for them mm-hmm. i mean look at when they, they made the playoffs in 2018 they're using openers and like decoy starting pitchers mm-hmm. and bullpenning the first game of the nlds and it, it all worked out and you know i think if i think if david ross was given the freedom to pursue stuff he could come up with some interesting stuff like as a former catcher he understands kind of what pitchers are going through and if you just kind of give him more discretion there if they're not already it, I don't know, at least you're, at least you're gonna learn something from that yes but I mean, I, to give give him some credit, he did kind of get. I mean, this year was kind of a little bit sabotaged, the way the roster was put together. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially the rotation. It's just, but I mean, something even as simple as uh, Wilson Contreras has shot his 90th game today. That's insane. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, you cannot do. You cannot make a catcher catch 90 out of like 110 games you're not you're completely like sapping him of his oh yeah it's, 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 i don't know how his knees stay attached at that point then like for the rest of the year i mean why would you not play him at first base like tap the games why would you have him catch every game the games don't matter absolutely i mean no, you know, that's that was my hope if they brought Amaya up is they could kind of do what the Giants had tried to do with Posey where catches mm-hmm. 70 games and plays first base for 70 games. Um, yes. if, if their future doesn't involve Anthony Rizzo, I think that's a really good way to keep Wilson playing a yeah, lot exactly. and keep him fresh and also bring up – I mean, I know Amaya's having a few difficulties this year, but he's still mm-hmm. a, a top prospect. You bring him into the mix and you've kind of got um, – kind of a two-headed monster catcher and you keep Wilson playing most of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's just the complete lack of a backup catcher is such an easy thing to fix. Yeah. You can find a guy to be a, ba- a decent backup catcher. And they... It's like a $2 million position, too. It's not – Yeah. We're, we're not talking about a $200 million contract you have to sign. Yes. So I guess that's the other big thing, well, that's going to ask you about is just – yeah, this rotation is going to need just a massive overall. We talked about it a little bit. I mean, right? you have Alzali, who just has to figure out how to get lefties out. I mean, it's been a huge problem this year, but you think that that's something you can work out on this offseason? Yeah, it, you, you just need one pitch to work out to, to do that. I think, I mean, the problem is they tried the cutter and they, they hit the cutter. Well, the changeup is interesting. Ah, whatever. It's they'll will figure it out. Go ahead. But then you have, um, you got Zach Davies who was so bad. They couldn't even trade him. I mean, um, Ariad, of course, no. Um, so basically it's Kyle Hendricks and maybe like, I really have a good feeling about Justin Steele. Yeah. But, We'll see, but they're going to really have to overhaul this if they want to be good. Yes, I mean, the steals looked great in the minors. We obviously have to see them do it in the bigs, but it's encouraging. Um, and I guess they're going to try to stretch out Keegan Thompson to give him a tryout, too. It'd be great if just one of even one of those guys could work it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Alec Mills, let's not overlook either. Yeah. He's been pretty solid. Been I, pretty I, don't, I don't think he's a guy you want to make – you know, your number two starter, but, mm-hmm. you know, fifth starters don't grow on trees. If, if you can 
provide solid innings at the back of the rotation, that's a big positive. Uh, yeah. What's good about this offseason, if they're actually planning on spending any money, is there's a lot of middle of the rotation type pitchers mm-hmm. who are more reliable than Jake Arrieta um, and probably better, more of a ceiling than Zach Davies. Um, yes. I know like Rodon's out there, Gaussman's out there, but there's, I think Andrew Haney's a free agent, just guys like that who are, mm-hmm. you know, they're not, they're not going to be an ace, but they're not going to be a total disaster in the middle of your rotation. Um, I mean, if you think about it, the Giants just did this. Yeah, great point. They got like what? Gosman, Alex Wood. That's cool, just funny. Like, yeah, just some decent guys. And you fill out your whole rotation with five decent guys. So you need one to step up. And obviously Gosman did, but you still just you, you fill them out with solid guys and you're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's not going out. It would be great to sign the equivalent of Garrett Cole, but you don't need that, right? I think you're getting that. You just need you need to find reliability and then hope some hit their ceiling. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it, it's it's a bummer we don't get to watch the guys we we're so excited about and, and have invested so much into. But there is there's going to be some roster spots to start off for the long term the rest of the year, and I think provided they're not just planning on having. Arietta and Davies make their remaining starts and keep running Dan Winkler out there. Like if they, yeah. they replace that with guys in the system who are intriguing, like they're the things are going to shake out that could set a foundation for the longer term. It's not just when Brennan Davis comes up or, or Ed Howard comes up down the line or, or any of these guys they acquired in trade that that's going to set the future for this. Like there's, they might find their four starter this year. They might find their future setup guy this year. And yeah. I think that's, that that's a reason to watch. It's a reason to be invested. And then this offseason, we start up again about being really mad if they're not going after free agents. Yes. Um, and it's possible. It's there's absolutely a, a route to compete next year. It's not like an unreasonable ask where they have to sign the top ten free agents. Like yeah. they, if they were to bring Rizzo back and add a Corey Seager type guy, like I think that brings them pretty close. If yeah. if they find some other things in the meantime, so it's it's possible to to get back to competitiveness, it's just going to – the tone's going to start being set the yes. rest of this year, especially I mean, on, on the pitching side. If you think about it, um, the Cubs have done this before. Um, 2006, they were horrible. Then 2007, they – the amazingly, the cheap Tribune company spent a ton of money. Now, they were trying to sell the team, but they mm-hmm. still spent a ton of money and got a division title the next year. So we've yeah, seen the- – and then had a really good team in 08. Mm-hmm. Even though somebody on Twitter hot take that the 08 team wasn't actually good, even though they were the, the best team in the National League that year, they just played poorly in the playoffs. But whatever, yeah. Uh, no, it's it's you can reload. You just need a couple things to go right for you, and you need to mm-hmm. make a few good signings. I only have one uh, 2008 hot take. Okay. That, uh, they should have traded for CC Sabathia. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it was right there. Yeah, then once that – the order was – it was CC that went, and then they got hardened as sort of a panic, yes, move, right? pretty much. Couldn't remember if they if they just panicked right away on Harden or if CC um, first. I don't – wasn't CC like a little early? Yeah, I think he – I think he was. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, if, if that was the first great chance to go for it, and they didn't get the top starting pitcher, so. Yes. 
yeah, it, it wasn't good, but it was the classic uh, Jim Hendry, just like consolation prize. Yep. Or the, uh, you know, fly the banner for we tried, like with the whole PV thing where they thought they had the trade and then they didn't yeah. have the trade. They were very good at that. Uh, we almost got the trade. Yeah. We almost traded from uh, PV. We almost traded for Mike Piazza. I remember that one. We almost, <laughs> Randy Johnson in 98, yeah. No, if they had had Randy Johnson that '98 team, that's it's it's interesting at least in the postseason. It would have been the most um, exciting Cubs team, you know. Yeah, just the the definition of stars and scrubs, but it it would be at least interesting in a short playoff series. All right. Well, I guess I'll ask one since everyone on um, watching the Cubs game on Twitter and everyone has been doing this anyway. When's football season start? So <laughs> let's, uh, I thought we could give um, a little Bears prediction since neither one of us are Bears fans. That's, we this is be, perfect. We could be non, non-biased. But what do you think about the Bears? Um, I think, I think they're a playoff team. I think the hype on fields is real. And maybe it's just I'm in an echo chamber that it's Bears fans telling me he's good, but um, I also just committed to him in a dynasty fantasy football league, so I guess I'm buying in. Um, I think Fields is the real deal. I think they the sooner they go to to him as the starter, the better off they'll be. But I also think they've got a plan that involves Andy Dalton making like six starts, mm-hmm. and that's going to cost him from either making the playoffs or having a a home game in the first round. So it's 17 weeks now. I think they're kind of a nine or 10 win team, um, mm-hmm. potentially 11 if they play fields earlier, but um, I'm, I'm pretty sold and I hope I'm not wrong on that one. How about what's, what's your call? Yeah, I'm about there too. I mean, the bears fans are very, very in on fields, but I mean, he's got to be better than Trubisky. So, yeah. And I mean, I, I, lived the uh, Nick Foles experience when he was the Rams starting quarterback. And oh, that's I right. knew, God, I forgot about that. That was a disaster. So I don't, I think Dalton's an improvement over him, but I don't know. But yeah, but I mean, the Bears fans, they're building themselves up again on a quarterback. But, you know, they did hate Trubisky when he got drafted. So maybe they're better than we think. That's a good point. No, my, my concern about Fields is just that it was noted quarterback Noah Ryan Pace drafting him when yes. Kyle Shanahan passed on him for, for Lance. Um, I think yeah. that's the only real alarm for me. And then the, the Broncos pass on that that might be a good thing because they clearly can't draft a quarterback. No. Um, Elway can be a quarterback, but he can't draft a quarterback. Exactly. It's the, uh, it's the whole thing. The superstar can't identify talent because it's just so easy for them. Mm-hmm. They can't, they can't identify talent. They can't coach talent because they just, it's, it's all natural, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I worry that I'm being sucked into the echo chamber. This is actually a five one team, but I, I don't know. I mean, my, my team is a direct division competitor who's going to uh, probably have multiple COVID outbreaks because their quarterback isn't big on vaccines. So uh, yeah. we'll probably get passed by that. So you're not, you're not feeling good about the Vikings then? You know, before they showed up to training camp and uh, we learned about their opinions on medicine, 
Uh, I actually felt pretty good about what they did this offseason. Um, they've they added some solid players in the secondary. Uh, they added Brashad Breland and Patrick Peterson, who are both definitely in the back half of their career, but I, I think in that system could be pretty good. Uh, they added a left tackle in the draft. Like they 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 had a pretty solid offseason. Um, the pieces are there if they can keep the quarterback upright. They can obviously run the ball well, but mm-hmm. then like it's just been such negativity with the uh, immediate covid issues in the quarterback room and and finding out they've got the lowest vaccination rate in the, in the nfl i just yeah. think that stuff's going to kind of creep up even if it's not a game cancellation issue like they they're going to have yeah. to have more intensive protocols all year. it's just like that negativity is going to be a problem in preparing for a football season yes um roster i think they've got a good roster i think they I, they lost three tough one score games to playoff teams last year mm-hmm. if they flip those they make the playoffs and they they're probably in pretty good shape but yeah you know, it's just the, the the vibe to use the Corey Friedman vibes here. The vibes aren't great right now. Yeah. But Rams feeling good? Um, good I was here. feeling better before, uh, you know, Cam Akers blew out his leg. But yeah. That was a rough one. But, no, I think they're – it's all about, like, I don't know if I trust Stafford. I mean, I think he's better than Goff. So – and he was been he's been in a rough situation in Detroit, so maybe a better situation like better offensive coaches, maybe that'll help him out. I don't. Sure. But I mean, obviously, McVay likes him. He went out of his way to get him, so that makes me feel pretty good. But for sure, I think it's a good situation too. That defense is so good; it's not like Stafford mm-hmm. has to go out and throw five exactly. touchdowns every game. You can kind of game manage, which is, you know, he's a really good quarterback. Putting him in more of a game manager really should be quite successful. Yes. No, I feel pretty good about it. the defense. I feel very good about. So, yeah, just a decent quarterback. That's that's all I ask for. It's sometimes hard to find, uh, but I mean, he's got to be better than Goff, and he. I hope to God he's better than Bradford. So. <laughs> He should uh, be a lot more like upright than Sam Bradford. Yes, that was. I had quite a. Back in the day, I, my Twitter was like, sixty percent uh, saying how much I hated Sam Bradford. So. <laughs> Those are fun times. Well, then my stupid team was conned into giving up a first round pick for him a few years later. So. Yes. So you know. Oh, I. Yeah, he uh, he played one incredible game and otherwise was either not on the field or just like he was behind Case Keenum in the depth chart. That yep. tells you all you need to, to know about the Sam Bradford era. Geez, another overlap between Case Keenum and the Rams. <laughs> they also, I mean, they, they picked up Sean Mannion when the Rams. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they clearly have a thing for McVay quarterbacks or I guess Fisher quarterbacks before that. It must be nice to have a. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, seriously. But can't be that lucky. Well, yeah, you know, just my entire life, the Packers have had an all-pro quarterback, and Mm -hmm. we've had, I think, uh, two good quarterback seasons. Um, We had the the Randall Cunningham season and the one Favre season, so it's great. It's it's just it's a lot of fun to just have that in your division. Yeah. Well, I say, I say to the guy whose team competes against Russell Wilson twice a year. Yes. Although they're uh, actually pretty good against Russell Wilson. 
amazingly. Gotcha. Uh, makes me feel better. But he's still annoying. It, I mean, he torches. He, he, every year it leads a comeback victory against the Vikings, like like clockwork. I, I, I hear you. Well, I guess that concludes the Chicago Cubs football podcast. <laughs> but... You know what? Everybody's saying it's, it's time for football. We had, we had to discuss it. We've got we've got that coming up at least. All right. And yeah, everyone can um, find your hot takes at your Twitter handle. Yeah, um, at EVR551. Um, I've had a lot to say in the last week. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to still be watching this team. I'll mm-hmm. tweet my thoughts whether people want to hear them or not. Yes. Um, but there's a lot there. I don't know. I guess, I guess as if parting question, like what are, what are you watching for the rest of the way? Um, yeah, I want to see the, um, the two young starters, Steele and, and Thompson. I want to see what they do. I mean, we'll see what, if they bring up some young guys from Iowa late in the year, that would be nice, but sure. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I guess just see what's going see somebody emerges maybe Patrick Wisdom keeps kidding maybe Raphael Ortega maybe somebody will come out of nowhere for sure yeah it's I mean I think saying earlier like if they can I want to see if they can find three or four pitchers out of this group of like a dozen that are gonna have a chance Mm -hmm. It's it's fun to watch young pitchers try to make. I don't know. I just think that's enjoyable. So I think you're touching on a good point. Yep. All right. Well, uh, thank you for coming on again, Jeff. And that as fun situation as the last one, but we figured some things out. Yeah. Hot th- takes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a blast. I mean, it's it's. I wish it was better circumstances, but it's 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 good to be back and, and commiserate together. And I think. Yeah, there's shreds of optimism for the future. That's right. All right. Thank you for coming on. You can find me on Twitter at STH85. You can send an email to the podcast at holycowpod at gmail.com. Holycowpod at gmail.com. And I will have a couple more guests the rest of the season. Obviously, it's not going to be a great rest of the season for the Cubs. Hopefully, as we've discussed on the podcast you just listened to, hopefully they can get back in contention quickly, and I'm going to be here even if the Cubs are bad. So, yeah. Go Cubs, and let's get this turned around.